Hello, and welcome to Concept Aware. I am Sibylla Smith. Here I host unscripted conversations with contemporary photographers, curators, and critics to discuss concept development and the photo bookmaking process. I do so through the lens of Concept Aware, my trademarked framework that identifies the layers of the creative process to highlight how artists bring their ideas to fruition in image, book, and exhibition form. To learn more about how to apply my creative framework to your work, join one of my online small group workshops. You may find dates and details on my website, jsibillasmith.com. Also available is my Paris photo in your pocket. Five hours of curated content and exclusive interviews live from the world's largest international photo fair happening this November. I offer to take you with me virtually and share my decade of experience at this fair to bring you highlights on trends within contemporary photography and the latest in global photo books. Today is a special treat. I welcome two groundbreaking visual narrative pioneers to discuss the third edition of their seminal book, Publish Your Photography Book. Mary Virginia Swanson and Darius D. Himes are on a mission to elevate the medium of the photo book. In their beautiful and engaging powerhouse of a book, they compile decades of experience with examples by contemporary publishers and book artists to offer us the amazing and limitless possibilities to be found in the photography book. We delve into all the guiding principles of publishing and their roles and responsibilities. Get ready for a major download of resources. Thanks for joining. We are so glad you're here. Today's recording is both a special treat and a feat of carving time in the demanding schedules of my guests. Two groundbreaking visual narrative pioneers individually and as collaborators, they are definitive dynamic duo. I am thrilled to welcome Mary Virginia Swanson and Darius D. Himes to join our conversation. Happy 20th anniversary and kudos to SPE, the Society of Photographic Educators, for setting the stage to begin a series of articles for the Photo Eye book list back in 2003, which in turn grew to become your first edition of Publish Your Photography Book. Congrats on this third edition, a beautifully constructed powerhouse of a resource. Since my copy arrived, it has been a consistent companion. I truly marvel at the depth and expanse of the material you have amassed and delivered in a succinctly structured format. From inception to distribution, you provide an elegant and engaging guidebook, a companion on the art and science of photo book bookmaking while also creating an object of beauty and substance that will remain a seminal marker in the unfurling history of our medium. 
My job on this podcast is to find a unique entry into my guests' creative process and to tease out the layers of their concept development. I introduce my guests and their books with a focus on the tagline of Concept Aware, which is how you see and why it matters. My introductions do not begin with my guests' biographies. We could spend our hour solely listing the accolades, achievements, and awards bestowed on you two. My aim is to explore and to strive to understand how I see you see. Well, Swanee and Darius, a trail of metaphors came to mind when describing the outsized wattage of your individual and combined ability to see expansively with a joint mission to amplify such illumination. I began with picturing beacons, which led to lighthouses, then lasers and satellites. I describe in today's world that you are like the Starlink of the photo book community. Because like this phenomenon, which I just witnessed in the night sky this past weekend, you both provide a consistent moving arc of beaming insight that circles the globe. Your work provides unparalleled access to information, connectivity, historical data, and the latest analysis and advances of the photographic image in all its wild and wonderful iterations. Because of the copious material in your book, I decided to frame our conversation with a structure of addressing the what, who, why, and how of photo books. I will offer a composite of the what and the who. All the ideas and bits of paraphrasing I'm about to share are garnered from within the eight delineated sections of your book. Then I'll turn to the two of you to share your insights, perspectives, and well-honed convictions on the why and how of photography books. Around this loose framework, I have a few additional areas of exploration, some fun facts I now know since reading your book, and I've chosen just a handful of quotes, though you give us many magnificent pearls of wisdom from your far reaching interviews and discussions with all the participants in the community of the collective endeavor of creating and publishing a photo book. Darius, I share your fascination with, quote, traversing the complex landscape of a book, end quote. And Swanee, I too find deep joy in form, content, and the advancement of ideas as tools of cultural and societal change. This book is a testament to your combined passions, experiences, contributions, and dedication to the field of photography and the art object of a photography book. We are indebted to your talents and enthusiasm, which you share generously. Myself and our listeners share in your obsession. So welcome, Swanee and Darius. Wow, thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. It's so great to be here. We're honored and we're so 
excited mm. to have the chance to talk about this great book we've put our heart and soul into. That is obvious. And it's a it's a it's an orb of an object because it does glow and it goes out in so many different directions. It was really um, a pleasure and I'd say a challenge to harness it, to bring it in here so that we can just hit on some points because it's it's so deep, so rich. So as I mentioned, I'm going to give the what, and I'm going to give it in as synthesized a manner as I can. And I combine thoughts from all of the people that you spoke with and a few of my own. Sometimes I give reference and sometimes I combine. Um, so it is a paraphrase. You yourselves refer to photo books as complex beasts. Deborah Hollis observes, they serve as a vehicle to teach visual literacy in the humanities and sciences. Photo books are historic documents of the intertwined evolution of the relationship between the photographic image and the object of a book. They are a time-based medium that can function as a concise world, an autonomous act from an, an autonomous art form translated into print, a dramatic event called a book, a magic combination of materiality and story. The what of a photography book is comprised of form, content, narrative arc, craft, intention, structure, style, subject, and theme. Photo books entail a masterful awareness of one's concept, concept, content, and aesthetic expression. A goal is to lure a reader to discover more with each passing, to enhance with design, but to not overwhelm content. A book can be an exhibition platform or the reverse. Photo books reveal, investigate, instruct, wrestle, and ponder. Soulful ones reflect what it is to be human. Alejandro Cartagena delves into the idea of what is the language of a photo book and eloquently states the intentional use of elements to create interaction, spark imagination, and derive meaning. Leslie Martin states they inform and inspire a wider system of ideas and can serve as signposts for excellence and innovation. The What of Photo Books is a recipe of editorial content, including images, essays, and supplemental materials, all based on a foundation of clarity of concept and the knowledge of what exact itch is your book aiming to scratch. It calls for visual punch and sustained coherence. The what follows the whole process and entails self-determination, organization, collaboration, resilience, and discipline. Natalie Hirschberger nails it when she calls a book a vector, namely a phenomenon that has magnitude and direction. I most admire and agree with the quote on the essential ingredient of a book by Joan Lifton. She writes, quote, it is a photographer's attitude towards a subject, not the subject itself, that makes a book sing. And lastly, Alex Soth gives a pithy analogy, 
of the book being the vinyl and the exhibition being the live concert. And lastly, in the vein of what David Campany notes as a book function, a book forms a community, I will briefly list some of the who's a book includes. Photographers, artists, graphic designers, thought partners, editors, book designers, printers, publishers, critics, proofers, shippers, marketers, booksellers, promoters, collectors, curators, curators of collections, and librarians. So I'm done <laughs> setting, setting the stage for your magnum opus. And I am very glad to invite you both to just expound on this. And, and I thought, Darius, you were just at the booklet in Lausanne, which I love because it's the combo of book and raclette, which I happen to love both. Um, so I was gonna ask for your input on the seismic shift. I mean, the last 20 years has really seen the landscape There's move been, under our feet. Yeah, and in, in so many, in so many aspects, both within, I mean, in a way in photography, mm -hmm. as well as in book publishing, and then definitely in photography book publishing. <laughs> all, all of which, all of which have been affected. I mean, you know, the big, um, the, the big, I, I should say almost like the biggest cultural shift was the invention of the internet. Mm. And as, as obvious, as obvious as that sounds, um, and here we are now 25, six, seven, almost 30 years later, I think the, the, um, the way that has affected how we distribute things, how we access information, the tools that are now in our hands. I mean, we don't think of Instagram as being around because of the internet, but in a way it really is, right? Mm -hmm. And so the ability to, um, just those techno, I mean, photography has always been, photography itself is a child of the industrial revolution, right? Mm -hmm. It is, it is an invention. It is a discovery that happened simultaneously on, on at least two different continents. And the principles of photography then have always been subject to technological um, innovation and the advance of human knowledge about how the world operates. It's optics, it's chemistry, it's understanding light and the way, uh, the way you know, chem certain chemical compounds react to light and how they are affixed to a piece of paper and what makes them stick around for a while and all of, so here we are 190 years. We're, what's, what's super interesting to think about is that we are approaching the bicentennial of the invention of photography mm -hmm. and then through all of this history there has been the democratization of the ability to share this information with each other as regular old citizens not as a clergy class or as an aristocratic class and we saw the clergy and the and the church and the crown have completely crumbled in relation to the <laughs> grip on human knowledge that they had 200 years ago. And the book is part of that, as much as photography is part of that. We share things freely in the same way that we share, we share information freely, we share ideas, we share um, 
concepts and and images are ideas, concepts, and information, right? I mean, so it's all of this is one big package of the absolute revolutionary nature of of what has happened in in the last two hundred years, and the internet only was the the great accelerator of all of that. So. That's maybe a long-winded, very, very high view. I mean, I mean, you brought up Starlink, so I might as well <laughs> run with it. Satellite, um, but you know what I mean. So, so then yeah. in the last in the last twenty twenty five years, the ability to make books has become so much easier for literally everybody on the planet can make a beautiful, you know, a seemingly beautiful, well printed. Um, object, book object, and you can make one of them and it doesn't cost you $30,000 and you can send it to your, either your family or you can, you can create businesses around that. You can build your audiences. All of these things are so, so radical. And I think for those of us that are old enough to remember before the internet, it, it really is hard to, to it, it just, it's hard to exaggerate how important all of that has been. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what's so interesting, I'm thinking back to uh, when I spoke with Bree Saunders and all of what she's doing with AI. So we haven't even put our foot on that banana peel, <laughs> which is... That's a different podcast. <laughs> it is a completely different one, but truly, that's so helpful. <clears throat> I actually really appreciate your um, uh, trajectory of giving us that that simultaneously paralleling um, synergistic change as it goes, goes, goes. Um, and I'm thinking that just in the last 15 years, what was publishing and who were the people and places that could do it uh, has been blown out of the water. Completely. Yeah. yeah publishing has changed everything. The, mm -hmm. the, I think that's one of the seismic changes in our version three of the book, edition three from the earlier ones, is that it's no longer simply Blurb and MagCloud and Lulu and all the rest that really gave people license to make their own books, but we're really coming, we're seeing it come back around in a way to the handmade that we had mm -hmm. in the very beginning with Anna Atkins, and we think about the pre-mechanical reproduction. So digital publishing was, I think, a marker that should really be honored as well. Mm -hmm, mm hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad that you had Dan Milner in there because he's a, a, a savant when it comes to that. And I have have said so. Right. The ability to just use it. And actually, um, I feel like he was so instrumental in pushing that medium to do so many things that uh, are outside the box of even the boxes it was being created. One for yourself as a tool for learning. Really, it's been one of Dan's mantras. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and um in so doing, he's taught so many of us. I think that's so interesting. Um, um sorry, Swan, I didn't hear you. Can you lean forward? Say that again. I was gonna underscore that for Dan, there's a lot of freedom in that. Yes. In that one. And really knowing your work better, knowing yourself better. And then stepping back into the material again and coming out perhaps with another edition of one as you work towards what might become a final and a perhaps more of a democratic edition after that. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It all speaks to what I talk about endlessly, which is being in conversation with your work, right? And letting the ideas unfold. I was going to ask because I thought it was great. Um, one of, I mean, there were so many things to pull out of the book um, that I could go off of, but I love that you note in the book, the biggest challenge is conceiving the idea, like actually nailing the quote, big idea. So talk about that. For me, the place that an artist can get to with their ideas, developing a concept and bringing that work to share with others, that storytelling in a sense, that's one of the most difficult places to be because you're talking to yourself and we expect you to be an expert on your topic. And I find, honestly, Seb, that so many people really rush to the publication and the place that I wish everyone would slow down the most was in the development of their ideas and creating that concept to be shared. Mm -hmm. Whether it's getting to know the experts of the topic that you're addressing, um, whether they end up being contributors to the book in fact or not, but just learning, learning, learning Mm -hmm. um, about your ideas and about your concept and if there is a tangible subject, find those experts and really develop it fully. Because most of the time people get to the end of a book project and realize later that in fact, in discussing that book, there are aspects that they didn't in fact examine before, um, as I often say, rushing to the monograph. That's something that I think we should all be mindful of, not rushing to the monograph Mm. and start with the idea and the concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, a, <laughs> there's something that I reference in Concept Aware when I'm teaching it that has to go back to um, sitting on your eggs. They're not all ready to hatch. And that whole process of really being patient with and in conversation with your own ideas. Yeah. And I love the idea um, that you talk about because you bring it back a few more times about talking to the experts, or even just um, basically following your own curiosity. I I go back to um, your case study with Barbara Bosworth, and the idea that she's in a meadow, will she traverse that meadow with scientists and orthonologists and on and on and on and started to see through so many different vantage points. And that led her deeper and deeper and richer and richer into what she saw. Um, so yeah, that's what I mean. What I love about your book and what was what was a challenge for me is how many things reverberated, right? And, um, and that is uh, a testament to what you put together. Like it's so thoughtful and so precise and it is succinct and it is accessible, but it's like, it's well, just we, pitch perfect. Let's do it that way. Thank you. You know, we we like to say that we ha- tried to identify principles of publishing, mm-hmm. and and in that also, you, you know, the 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 author, the artist, is of course a, is the protagonist in the story of publishing, and so that's sort of why we really started with 
with with helping hope hopefully anyway helping photographers to think through what what am i doing why do i want to publish this book what and when it comes to you know i i often find photographers get themselves kind of backed into a mental corner just because of um well partly partly the way to get out of it is is sometimes stepping into the shoes of another medium or another field so as a very very quick example often photographers will ask i know they ask swanee this a lot too which is like well how many prints should i do in my edition and this there's always these questions about how many and it's sort of like well think about what it would be like if you were a painter and you had you paint you know you, there is no question about how many right it's like it can be so useful to just step completely out of these very sort of specific questions to photography same with when it comes to writing a book asking yourself well it or, or producing a photo book asking yourself as though you were a writer what sort of book are you writing is this a collection of short essays is this a poetry book is this a long nonfiction biography? Is this autobiography? Is it, you know, I mean, like really thinking through those sort of, you know, they're, they're, they're not tangential. They really are kind of essential questions mm -hmm. as to what are you doing? And sometimes that like stepping completely outside of the medium of photography and asking yourself those questions from a different vantage point can really help you understand what it is that you're what is what is the drive behind wanting to do the book or or what the book actually is, is meant to be about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well we often, i go we ahead often that the book is not a how-to it's about what is possible yeah and people um so many voices and and different roles as we walk them through the book hopefully will give people the the license if you will to try different things and mm -hmm. to really walk those paths as Jerry says go down all these different paths and um and the project will be better for it Absolutely. i think that's a just a very good point to say that our book is not how to publish your book it's about what is publishing what are the what are the roots of it again i keep coming back to this word principles like the principles behind having an editor whether you ever work with an editor or not understanding the principles of that role it needs to it that role needs to be played by somebody in the course of this project it may end up being you as the artist but you you may also come to recognize that you're an awful editor <laughs> but like but understanding the principle of what an editor does what you know all of these roles so again it's not a how to so much as it is it is about the principles involved mm -hmm. from start it, to finish yeah totally and it was interesting because i also thought that was sensitively done because you 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 bring us in in a way that um that blends the material because um originally you're really talking to all these different people and you're talking more about 
the what of a photo book and really airing it out. And then you go into publishing. And, and I love that you, you kind of build us in a crescendo to some of the nitty gritty that for a lot of artists starts to sound like, you know, wah, 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 which is like, you know, rights and copyright and contracts, oh my. And, and yet you give it to us here. And and then you get us back into idea land and you get us back into all that's possible. Um, you know, in the earlier editions, when we were thinking about publishing and giving all the details of what that is, and, and as Darius often says, behind the editorial door, you know, what really happens, then the business of it, of course, and the rights and such. But if you didn't, get the contract that you wanted by then MagCloud had come blurb etc Eileen had invented MagCloud and you could then try self-publishing and that was a pivotal change in everything and then the book really evolved to where we are in the third edition to taking that self-publishing much much further and into all the way through to the limited editions, the handmade, and the people, of course, that are interested in collecting those who are the who are the distributors of those. It's it's a much richer panoply of books that we have today because I think it comes back to that digital publishing where people had more courage to try things on their own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it and it goes to the circle that you were talking about that like we've continued to grow till you put some of the power um, into the hands of the artist and this limited edition and the idea of the handmade and the, you know, it's so interesting, the ecosystem with, with all the caretakers and all the, the hands. Um, Yeah, Mm. it's fascinating. And I remember when you were talking about, um, you know, potentially you are the editor. I I always think book designer. It's like, go to the people who spend, you know, years thinking about the weight of paper and topography. And you can't, you can't, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't do it. You can, you can experiment. I love working with people that are actually making their own paper to make their own book. But what I'm saying is that there's so many ways to get there. And the more that you can expand that, I like when you talked about being backed in a corner, that is not helpful, right? It's like always bringing it out for that um, twirl to look from vantage points that you might not expect. I think that's so, so helpful. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, when it comes to, to books and photography, each, there are so many different art forms and crafts involved, right? Like you have, obviously as a photographer that has its own history and its own art form, and you need to be aware of that. But as you, you just listed off a few of these, there are, you know, there's a whole history to book binding. There's a whole history to paper making. There's a whole history and art form to typography and and book design itself. And so that just at least acknowledging that, and this is where we spend time in the beginning really laying out the fact that this whole renaissance around the study of the history of photography books, there are now dozens of books that look at the history of photo books. I mean, it's the, you know, it's the, I always, people always ask, you know, if when they find out I wrote a book, 
I always say it is literally the world's nerdiest book because it is a book about publishing books, you know, in a very, it not, and not even just like publishing books. It's in a very, very narrow area of book publishing called, you know, photo, but, th but just to know that it's like, you can really get a, a PhD by just buying a dozen books about the history of photo books and reading them. The scholarship out there right now is incredible. And you would now, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to visit all of the archives in which these books are housed. And yet we, I've got a shelf at home that's like three feet long. That's just books on photo books. And it's amazing, you know? So th that's another part of this, this whole aspect of our contemporary landscape is that you can learn anything you want. I mean, the power of YouTube and the power of what has been published recently is like you know the the common person from centuries ago would be utterly flabbergasted at the access it would it's as though we are from a completely different dimension mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in space and time the child what is available to children today is far greater than what was available to the wisest men of old right i mean literally yeah. this is I'm not exaggerating. Mm -mm. We, we have, you know, we have fought wars for the ability to have access to books. I mean, do you, it's, I, I love this story because I was a big uh, Leo Tolstoy fan. And so I started reading lots of his like essays and letters beyond just his books. He was persecuted within Russia as late as the late 19th century. We're talking about the, the industrial revolution had happened for educating the villagers that he inherited for arguing he wrote an essay arguing for the most radical concept universal education mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is like this is i mean this is what is worth living and uh, fighting and dying for is the ability to have access to books mm -hmm. now i'm talking about well beyond photo books when i say that but you know, it's so important for us to remember that, that this is, this is, the power is in our hands in a way that millennia of time that humans have been on this planet, people were, the average person was not allowed to have access. Mm -hmm. so, Absolutely. Wait. It's so interesting. Uh, my, I have young adult children and when they were in middle school, they sat us down to basically say, your kids are the cyber immersion generation and the way they think because of what has been at their fingertips since they opened their eyes is so far from any other bridge generationally. They basically said they'll have jobs that don't exist yet etc yeah. etc right so that trajectory is incredible and what what is in our hands and that whole idea of education being power i think that's where i get so passionate of the power of photography to actually so incredibly affect individual change um development uh self-awareness etc even healing on and on and then how that can then be translated socially to the collective powers that we have and and that's the part that i i i really get excited about i i'm going to bring us back to something else that you said that i thought was so really wonderful. You talk about the importance of seeing the end in the beginning and seeing the book as an investment. I love that. 
Swan, take it away. (laughs) It's got your name on it. It relates to what we were just talking about, about the power and what we can see and what we can learn today. I'm so grateful for the organizations that take the time to put all of the entries, like the Perry Photo um, Aperture Award, everything that is um, the, the finalists in the end, there's a full page turning video available. I love the fact that there are festivals like Lens Krona and there are publishers like Goss and, and uh, Loose Joints that organize d- dummy competitions and many, many others. I'm just, those are just top mm-hmm. of mind right now. But it, they're encouraging us in such a great way to see what ha- others have chosen as the end of their project and encouraging people to make work and, and have that viewing as things are developing. Mm-hmm. So that that really does give us this huge buffet, if you will, of a way to learn so, so much about what the potential is for things. I think one of the most important changes for me in watching people really attend the art book fairs, or at least from their whatever vantage point their geography it lands in, doing that online, mm-hmm. but being able to handle things just changes everything. And when I see people recognizing as, as Alejandro speaks to so eloquently, that when you when you really think about the content and the form, the book form, you're gonna place that content in and whether there is an implied motion or other element that you, the reader then have to engage in, it changes everything for all of us by the time we get to what was the artist's chosen end, but our journey becomes a, a completely tied to theirs. And that's been the most exciting thing to me in the last few years. I feel like we are really on a mission to help people make more impactful books mm-hmm. where everything from concept through um, the content and the, the chosen book form really come together to create um, an experience that is is revered. Mm-hmm. And we are, of course, reactive to a, a period of years now where there are more and more and more average books and we all know how much money people are spending uh, to make what I fear are more average average books at a time when trees are at a precious view and <laughs> the sustainability component is real but um, if we can do one thing it's really to help people bring their ideas to fruition in a far more impactful way. Mm-hmm. Well, you're you're making me think of two things. Uh, one is that when you talked to Todd um, Ido, he talked about in um, 2014, the photo book museum allowed him to basically use the walls as the conceptualization of what he ultimately did and how that changed how he did everything. Right. And then you've yeah. And then you've got I know that um, and I believe I mispronounced her name earlier, um, Natalie Hirschdorfer um, just had Debbie Cornwall in process at the LSA because that's so exciting to see the thought process. And as you said, it brings us along on the journey. And then and then our thought processes reflect refract and bring more and more to it. So I think it's been fun to watch as we saw museums respond by starting to bring us multimedia references. I remember the MFA here doing an entire thing 
on 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 blue and white and how that went through all these mediums, right? So that you can take a concept and go through the mediums or you can go through the mediums to a concept. You know, thinking of Todd Heido, and he, he speaks about this in the book, we have an installation view from his show, I believe it was 2012 at Pier 24. Mm -hmm. And when I had the great pleasure of being at the museum and seeing that, I realized it was the whole of house hunting and it was this gorgeous installation, really a narrative installation. Like he'd taken the book to the wall. And I remember asking um, at the desk, because I knew Todd lived in the area, you know, was he involved in the installation? They're like, oh, yeah. He arrived with his hammers and his me measuring and everything <laughs> to install that. And I think that we then when we hear him in the book talk about the experience, to your point, at the Photo Book Museum, I mean, just that conversation with Todd he just lit up with all that came from that open door in a sense to be able to mm. do something different and do something in progress. It just, it really moved him um, through where he is today. Mm -hmm. It's yes. so interesting. Cause I'm, I'm thinking about how um, a lot of what we're talking about really takes courage. Um, when I'm talking to people on their concept development, any of the creative um process is such a vulnerable one and to be able to have the the courage and the tenacity and the curiosity um, to just keep playing you know it's really fun I, I talk often in concept aware about if you pay attention to the process the product will take care of itself and mm -hmm. that pulling it back, pulling it back is so helpful. So it was really funny. I put it in all capitals because you wrote concept guides content. And I was like, yes, yes. Like that can't be said enough. You know, Steve, I have to say, I think one of the most important elements of this new edition is that we recognize that people are experimenting. We recognize that the tools have increased. We recognize that the audience has broadened to include the public libraries, academic, curatorial, private collectors and all. And um, I have to say it was Phil Zimmerman, one of our contributors, that really pointed out to me that our audience doesn't necessarily know the language, let alone the the pacing and the the use of a lot of the tools to be successful in self-publishing or in limited edition. And that's part of why there's an expanded section at the back about paper printing and binding terms. Mm -hmm. There is, um, you know, it's part of the passion that I brought to the workbook just to kind of make everyone slow down and follow some real guided steps by people who are expert at taking the time to develop their project, to understand their their subject to understand uh, and and literally like make that short list of potential publishers. If what the submission process is, if it doesn't work out satisfactorily to them, consider self-publishing. What does that mean? What are all those steps? What's all the testing of materials that should happen? Um, all the different people that you show the work in progress and their mm -hmm. comments and feedback, everything. So that when you get your your book completely done it's a hundred percent satisfying to you and clear audience then the marketing piece can really begin in earnest mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but well, just slow down and, and um give them some added tools again not it's not a how-to but it's just mm -hmm. it's everything that will help them understand from that glorious design that was uh that masumi shibata did of the the um anatomy of the book that's half mm -hmm. photographed 
Um, so you have the vocabulary to talk to the editor and the designer and the publisher. Exactly. And to actually know what's possible. I mean, I think that as a, as a, uh, collectively, we have become so much more visually sophisticated. It is our universal language, right? So the image, it's interesting because we we could have many discussions because as you mentioned at the beginning, Darius, the, the history of the image itself is, you know, running shotgun and they trade seats who's driving between the book and the image, right? And that idea that we all collectively move forward with that and with our ability to, to read a photograph or understand. I, I'm so interested in both the layering of the concept and then what I call the knife edge that lets you cut into the cake. Like that's so helpful and interesting. And what's so ironic, what you just mentioned, Swan, is that if you do all that work, you are already building the marketing, the promotion, the other experts, the other audiences. It's like you are, it's a huge matrix that if you pay attention and delineate, it, it like gets built in these ways that are, are truly magical, right? The materiality, the story, and then the object. And, and it's, I love that you refer often um, the life of a book, you know, you, you know, you're always telling us this isn't one and done. And, you know, more than one person says there's not a bulletproof, you know, how to, there isn't an ABC. It's like, get in there and figure it out for yourself because you've got to figure out your voice the itch you want to scratch, and then the, all the ways that you can, can go about doing it. I love Barbara Bosworth. I can quote her again, because in her case study, she said, things come from doing. Mm -hmm. How simple is that, right? And so important. I'm going to turn again to Alejandro, because he really spoke to something that goes to the heart of my work, which is building meaning. Um, and, and I think he provides an ultimate description of concept development, and I'll quote him. He states, quote, my job is to clarify those through threads. And then he asks, when does the meaning get attached to a photograph? Is it the capture, the context? Is it the camera itself? Nice. Yeah, like... <laughs> These are all good, good questions. And they've been thought about since the beginning of the medium, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the really interesting um, turns and slowdowns that I find in working with people is context. It's like building context. It, it, that's the synergy between content and context. They just keep going back and forth and refining. Uh, that's that's part of the, the fun. Um, I want to speak about sequencing. And again, Alejandro has the words because he speaks of sequencing so beautifully. Because right when you're with a book or an exhibition, what happens between images? What's the conversation? And, and what does it call for? That kind of choreography. Um, and he, I love this. He says, I quote, sacrificing my images so they become a book and not just images in a book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so well said. And that's such a struggle for people. I know when we jury, et cetera, or when photographers all, often want to give a um, 
top 10 of my greatest hits. It's not always, things are lost in the narrative, right? And, and that idea of like a, an offhanded picture and what it can do. Well, and I think also, I mean, for, for decades, we had, we had monographs, right? Like a book of photographs by a photographic artist and the photographs were the artwork and the book was just simply a vanilla, plain vanilla, you know, vehicle to get the artwork into your hands. And that's where this whole, the whole history of like, you don't run a photograph up, you know, through the gutter. You don't put any text on the photograph. You make sure that it's one per spread, like all of these arbitrary rules that I, we still bump into with people. Um, and it's, it is so hyper controlling and come in my view, it comes out of a, a deep insecurity that I won't actually be thought of as an artist. And therefore I have to make sure that I tell everybody this is, this is art. And that's now just so completely blown, blown apart by the last couple of generations of people who have had access to their own printers. You know, everybody's can lay out anything themselves. You can make your own book. You don't have to hire a designer and you can just do whatever you want to, to, for better or worse, <laughs> but it, it has allowed, uh, it has allowed people to experiment more and therefore you get, you, you now have this whole, um, again, this whole community that recognizes that the book itself is the art form. Mm -hmm. And the photographs that may be part of that book can also live as artwork on a wall in a completely different format. It doesn't, the book doesn't have to reflect that, that exhibition. Debbie Cornwall is a good example because she's, she's like working with, you know, emails from soldiers she's working with film footage that she's making she's shooting still photos she's doing all sorts of things and she and she's just working on a project that has to do with whatever that project happens to be and and her most recent projects or the ones that she's known for have to do with um certain military bases etc mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like there's she just thinks of there's all of this raw material and out of that various things will come that engage an audience maybe a book it may be a film it may be flat objects on a wall it may be a, it may be some three-dimensional objects in the room like all of that is just raw material and i think when you finally get to that point that you just think of your photographs as raw material for any number of expressions then that feels like a very rich experience a rich artistic practice you know, I have to give a shout out also to Dianita Singh, who's another one of our case studies in the book, for whom the book is the final work. Mm -hmm. From her perspective, it's not about the wall. If anything, she brings the books into the museum, but that that form is for her the final format. So mm -hmm. all different ranges of things can happen. We have a beautiful reproduction of Sonia Thompson's most recent publication that I know you know well, Sibylla. Mm. And um, as somebody who works in installation, really the three-dimensional space, to bring that to book form is a really uh, wonderful history to think about as well. Absolutely. I mean, she's a great example. Um, and um, I did have a podcast with her and all the ways in which she layered concept and found materiality to echo or or amplify or 
um, grasp her 3D-ness uh, is fascinating. And of course she went historical and future. Um, it was ironic because I did look, <laughs> I looked because um, I thought, wow, I, I, the people that you have mentioned in the book, uh, out of my like 77 episodes, I've had conversations with 11 of them. Um, so we, we have similar sensibilities in terms of who we really want to amplify who's making these books so impactfully. And none of them look the same, right? It, there isn't a formula. It's all about marrying their concept the context and bringing it all together. So this leads me to ask about your book because I had fun and probably not as many people spend time with you to go, okay, who decided there's so many things on your book that I had fun thinking about and wondering, like, first of all, all the gray tones. You don't use black except very judiciously. It's your heading and in some places where you underscore something. Gray tones screaming in every direction. The quality of the paper, the, the hard soft cover, um, embossing, etc. cetera. Um, kudos to your uh, photographer, Brad Tyrone. Oh my goodness, like, Okay, this goes way back in my history, but the image, um, <laughs> it is the image of a, a man's uh, holding the book, the book out and you just get a slip of their shirt. And it's like every, that's what I mean about the precision and the idea that your book is such a beautiful book and the images that you chose to, to use and how many times you had blank books, right? Yes. And I mean, you conceptually worked with something that is very tangible, right? And concrete. That's why you, you, you don't have to tell me this isn't a how-to <laughs> because it's, yeah. Kudos to David Chickie, who is the creative director and designer at Radius, but David designed the two previous editions as well. It was mm -hmm. at a time when Darius had been part of the founding four of Radius, and our book really wasn't a Radius book at that time. Radius was more focused on monographs and things. It just, it wasn't the right match, but we were fortunate to have David design all through, all mm -hmm. three of Finally, when uh, the book sold through its uh, two editions at Princeton Architectural Press, they released us to take it elsewhere. They'd made that decision not to reprint. And we took it to Radius first because I forget how many books now, Darius, 200 books to their credit or something. But it seemed like a book about books at this level made sense to the board. And I feel like then David Chickie really got to take this ball and run with it because it was not just his design, it was his publishing. So, and we used, you know, the, the, um, the use of blank books, which you often get back from a printer when you're specking out a book, they'll like mock it up and send you an example of, of what is the trim size and using the paper so you can have a sense of what will this object feel like. Um, we used that from the very beginning and the blank book was kind of like it was meant to be it was meant to be the protagonist like the tabula rasa of your project here is a blank book that is the stand-in for what your book is going to be so we we used that as a 
as a visual device from the from the first edition through the second edition and then um, we carried that over into the into this third edition but really all of those details about like the design of the cover and all of those things is david chickie that's full credit to him for for that well Darius flew in with suitcases full of books. I drove over from Tucson to Santa Fe. We had books everywhere for days at the studio, and Brad was so great about getting photographing everything perfectly. It was really exciting to bring a, all the fresh illustrations that echo this world today of photo books without mm -hmm. any. No, and and it's it, it's so pleasing, and 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 that that was obviously so well thought of, you know, and, and yes, kudos to, to David, but I feel like it's a symphony of all of your voices and it's also your trajectory of all these years. Radius yeah. grew, the photo book community grew, the two of you grew. And it's like, that's where I get super excited. And so um, I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to the things that I find and look at, and I'm not sure how well this whole idea of the film role was conceived, but it kind of made me scream because on the side of your book is a, in the photograph, a beautifully shaded semi ready to go pop in the camera roll of film. And yeah. where it is in your wraparound image hits on your spine, like a big bullet. And what I looked at, so metaphorically, you have the empty books. Like I looked at that metaphorically and was like, kudos and how cool, because obviously, A, it's film and that goes in one direction. But the other is that it's unfurling, which mm -hmm. is exactly what's happening, what yeah. you're capturing, right? So, yeah. and I, yeah, the whole thing, I just... I had a lot of fun looking at a lot of those details. So I have a couple of other things because I don't I, I, I wanted to ask. And this is a funny time to ask it, but I'm thinking about the title and I'm thinking about how I go back and forth between saying photography book or photo book. Mm -hmm. Did you guys spend time on that or you what about that? What do you think about that? You know, the, the term, well, I'll just say the term photo book was was coined really with Martin Parr and Jerry Badger. They talk, they in in their response, uh, in their first volume that turned into a three volume project, they are responding to Andrew Roth and his book of 101 books. Mm -hmm. And in that introductory essay, they talk about the photo book as a in a very kind of specific and almost limited way that it is not just photographs printed and bound between two covers a photo book that's a that's a photography monograph that we've seen a photo book really operates as its own world as its own universe it has its own logic it has all these things that we, that we all three have been talking about today and so we fully recognize that use of that term but we're also trying to cover really the broadest landscape of what is in a way illustrated book publishing or specifically mm -hmm. photography book publishing so we want to talk to the person who may have a project that's for a big trade publisher and they're not they're not part of perry photo and they don't read aperture and they're not in the sort of 
this this very art world driven version of the photo book community but and also the the person who's making a book for for a library um rare book you know library there's like a whole range there and so we we left it a little bit it, at least this is how i remember it or think of it swanee is we left it pretty broad we wanted it to appeal to a a broader more general audience that felt it was approachable without using of kind of vernacular that might be too insider trading. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Too narrow in art photo books. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting because that leads into my next area, um, which is around the idea. It was um, Deborah Hollis uh, uh, brought this up, the role of unearthing underrepresented stories and histories and how to expand our canon. And uh, one of the people that I spoke with were the editors of 10 by 10, which is specifically attempting to do that and and doing what you did, which is not stick with a narrow definition, but to know that there's this wide expansive definition of what it is, what is a photo book. That's why my what could be even bigger and bigger. Um, Mm -hmm. I I appreciate that 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 happens. And do you have thoughts about about the how to of expanding the the stories that we're able to gather in book form? For me, it's really the potential of the form to help to amplify the story, whether it's as simple as the turning of the pages or it becomes fold outs or the book changes its direction or how, how do you take us through your your story that you're trying to tell us or your passion for a subject that you want to make sure the world hears you however it is that you begin to build that into the book form um, it can be so much more dynamic than what we've been traditionally served up um, for me, it was starting with the digital publishing and people being able to make books at home and just engaging the viewer in the interaction is, a, for me, is a game changer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I would add that, you know, we through, throughout the 20th century, we lived in a pretty American Eurocentric sphere of of sharing of histories and you know the the early histories of photography now seem very very outdated and exclusive and you know european male centric which they were they served they served a purpose at the time and they and those histories need to be expanded and that's precisely where we are in the 21st century is a sort of bigger broader recognition that and again, we can thank the internet for a lot of this, that we literally can, I can bring up images from anywhere in the world. I don't need to, I don't need to, you know, wait until somebody sends me a postcard from that place or try to get on a boat to get over to the Philippines or something, right? I mean, it's like, it. so so that aspect of, there, there are rich histories everywhere on the planet and there are, there are stories to be told and those voices are valid and they should be, celebrated and be and and obviously be well beyond just an american eurocentric place of celebration like you know it's kind of 
all of this is about expansion. So again, those tools are there for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, this, to me, this goes back to the power that resides in our hands as citizens of the planet um, to be able to, to tell stories and, and shape views and all of that is really, it's, it's a really extraordinary moment in human history. Uh, it's exciting to see the level of books that are coming out of uh, the Americas and out of South Asia, um, the Pacific Rim. It's, it's just extraordinary to see this explosion of making. And I think, Darius, to your point, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we're going to see those key makers that are also teaching, like Alejandro, that are really influencing the next generation of makers in their regions. And it couldn't be more exciting. Yeah, you know, I just, ahead, just say, uh, Swanee and I both had the, the same uh, experience of being a student of Bill Jay, who was this great photo historian at Arizona State University. And he's now passed away some years ago. But he told he told me once I asked him about his favorite books of the year. This was when I was an editor at photo at the photo I book list. And he said, Darius, I, I used to be able to buy every single photo book that came out because they were published at the rate of one every six months. And that was true. Like you would buy the new book on Minor White or the new, you know, volume on so-and-so. And And he said, I have no idea what's going on now. (laughs) But this was in like 2000, I don't know, 2002 or something. And he said, I can tell you about a book that I like, but I have no idea if it's the best one published this year, that kind of. And it's, it's really like that seems so antiquated to where we are now like and it's it's not that long ago it's within mm-hmm. a generation you know one or two generations and so just i think that is again this this theme of the the, the fact that we can share and disseminate and and spread both ideas and our artwork and um and have an impact in places locally and also far flung is a really important thing to keep sight of. Yeah. I love the fact that our workbook is available to everyone on the website mm-hmm. as a page download, whether you have the book or not, you have this guide to follow and all the resources and all the competitions and dummy prizes and all can all be downloaded. So we just really hope that it helps people all over the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it will. And that's what I mean about the generosity. And I know that included in your book is the 16 page workbook, but that you've got the 32 available on your website, which is which is outstanding. Um, I have to underscore because you're making me think of two uh, women storytellers that really, I think, are bringing us into the future um, in how they're able to tell both in book form and others. Um, uh, stories that need to be heard. So I'm thinking of Leah Abril and the history of misogyny and how that is chapter by chapter, excruciating chapter. Um, so 
geniusly done in terms of a uh, in terms of a matrix and that you can walk into Paris photo and know that you're looking at chapter two, which happens to be about rape. Um, so when you think about um, content and context and how to tell these stories, it is such an unbelievable time. And one of my most recent podcasts was um, speaking with um, Rahab El-Halil in Egypt, it, literally how she was able to capture the handcraft of the people that she wanted to, where they were actually given photographs they then embroidered that then she could rephotograph and put as pages in the book. And this idea of weaving stories in both directions, which is why I'm excited about that role <laughs> on the spine, right? Because it, it's got to go in both ways. And there's just two couple of things that if I could before we end, um, I love that you brought up Colleen Mullins, the co-founder of Rolls and Tubes. Hilarious awesome, amazing. Talk about going in both directions. And she brings up the importance of play, which That's is right. just essential. I love that. And she also made me think when she used the term creativity with restraint. Mm -hmm. Hard to, hard to, yeah, hard to tell people like all your ideas, just like mine, aren't good ones. Like, what are the babies? Like, like Alejandro said, what am I going to sacrifice? What image am I going to let go of? Right. All my babies can't get in there and all your babies aren't telling the story the yeah. best way they could like edit, edit, edit. That's a, a big part. Um, so lastly, I want to touch on, um, the two things, uh, one is the whole idea of social media and this idea of self-promotion. Um, just any words on that since people, uh, I'll just preface it with one of my own infuriations, which is people putting work up on Instagram and going, well, people liked this. <laughs> and using that as criteria, that that to me is challenging. But I think there's so many, you know, just like everything else, double-edged sword, things that are wonderful about what's at our hands and also things that are challenging. So thoughts on that. On If, if I may, I mm. feel like the one of the greatest things to me about social media tied to a book project that may come to pass as an actual tangible book is that we get to see that artist in their practice. I love when people hold up a book that they're reading that is impactful now as it was 20 years ago, or that they're out looking at, you know, Renaissance paintings, or they're, they're, they're examining and testing new papers. It's like, I don't want to see the, the images until you're, you're all done. I want to see your journey into publishing. What has inspired you? What have you read? What what will we find the germs of in the, the in the sense that it's it fostered further exploration for you? And that's where I think people really do follow along. And so um, I, I just caution everybody from showing, you know, your full maquette on an Instagram feed when in fact it's, if you step back 10 steps, that's really where to get us involved in the work. Darius, what do you think about that? I mean, broadly speaking, I think that, you know, social media is such a broad, it's a broad term, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that you have to kind of figure out 
so I think it's extremely powerful for marketing. You can also, you can, you know, if we think of YouTube as, I don't think of YouTube really as social media so much as a library, but there's a lot to learn there. Um, and, and it's kind of, it's about, you know, as an artist, I mean, there's still such a benefit to, to going through the process of, of under, like going through, um, going through critiques with a peer group, learning how to take that criticism, learning how to build a project, learning how to stay consistent and have the discipline and all of that. And if you, if you're trying to market all along the way, you're going to get lost, like learn how to compartmentalize making and then refining and then marketing when right. you are happy with the product that you are about to market. And, right. and obviously the, this, this starts to make me sound like an old guy, but I think that it, there are, there are benefits to being able to turn it on and turn it off and, know what know what you're you know it can as we all have read and we all experience it can be like a drug and so if you just become you're just pursuing you know the adrenaline of getting so many you know these likes for this or these likes for that and then you're making artistic decisions based on that you're you're going about it backwards so make the work get good peer feedback and um, and feel happy with whatever it is you're whether it's a film or whether it's a body of photographs or whatever you're doing as an artistic producer. And then once once you feel great about it, get ready to to put it out into the world. And um, and Swanee will always say, be sure and record your artistic process along the way. But you do not necessarily have to be sharing it all along the way and distracting yourself from the making and the editing and the refining part of it. You will, you will use those tools in many different things from grant applications to informing a, a publisher about the depth of the project. You know, Sib, I'll underscore that in the book, we have a, a design and production calendar. That's sort of one year typically of all the steps, just so people can peek ahead in a sense and see what's coming or generally what's coming in a traditionally published book. At the same time, we isolate it out a marketing timeline, which begins way before the book and way after, because we want you to extend the life of the title. And that might take the form of um, of an exhibition, perhaps. But it's you can peek ahead to those things, but there's nothing like lingering as long as possible in that making mode and really getting the content, the concept, and the, and the form correct for mm -hmm. your... I'm quoting you on that. Linger as long as possible in the making mood. That's you, that'd be a good tattoo, temporary tattoo. Bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so there's one last area for me, and that is this idea of the um, critical tools needed to start um, um, looking at this, you know, our own what are the critical tools to be able to analyze, as you said, an impactful book? Um, there's there's a lot of mediocrity, sorry, but true. Um, and, and we want to be able to um, articulate what does make it sing. 
Um, and, and so I was thinking, I'm leaning over because I had Matt um, Johnston uh, on the podcast as well. This was a PhD. This was, this was like, I was eating this book up, absolutely eating it up. Um, so the whole idea of, of where we're going with that and how, where's our audience? Like, how do we, like, we don't want to be a, um, a closed community creating for the community, right? We want it to, to ripple out. Um, so any thoughts on that? You know, there's one thing that I find myself saying often to people who I feel really are addressing a subject that's of broad interest with their own voice mm -hmm. is to recognize that maybe 350 copies is, is too small, it's too limiting, and that something like a university press might be able to take that into a broader form of, um, of visibility and discussion and dialogue, you know, from the public library to the classroom and to private homes. But I would say, you know, just don't limit the potential um, if, if you really do have something to say that is universal or of a, a sort of, uh, a, a call, a crying call to the planet or social justice or whatever your thing is. It doesn't have to be limited to the the wonderful small press world that we're all experiencing. Mm -hmm. It may be in fact really an asset to a much broader audience to learn from. Mm, that's one of my fun facts because it was um, uh, Alan Thomas uh, at the University of Chicago. He put in your book and I was gobsmacked. There are 158 university presses in 41 states and DC. They publish a dozen peer-reviewed titles a year. Way different than your your former professor, right? Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, you know, the other the big thing that has another part of the big landscape shift that we um, may not even read you know, be conscious of is that MFA programs did not, for photography, did not exist really until like the 1970s. Mm -hmm. And now as, at, at, same with photo galleries, the first really photography galleries in any number began in the 70s. And um, so he, we are experiencing in a way the effects of two, three generations now that have been trained as photographers, um, there everybody's out there. There's there's a growing body of people who are literate in photography and in photo history, and so that's that's just part of that's that's also part of this landscape. And uh, uh, and and it doesn't mean that everybody is producing great work, but it just means that it's a bigger part of the sort of the social economy around photography as an art. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Such an exciting time. It is, it is, it is. Um, and it's so fun because I know that we've got Paris Photo on the horizon and I know that you'll both be signing books there. And um, I've been a sucker for Paris Photo for a decade and, uh, and certainly deep into um, it certainly has informed my reach, especially on the photo books. I can remember my first Paris photo was 2013 and we held the books. They were just stacked. It was literally, you were leafing through them, which was 
crazy and wonderful. Um, I mean, you still can see them, but it is, it's, it's changed so much. And I also have to recall a time when I, I got to the airport and they insisted I buy another suitcase. I was like, I would just totally keep pulling out this bag. Like, oh wait, okay, that's too heavy. Okay, how about this? And she's like, yeah, no, get another one. So I know that I know the addiction, but um, I want you two to have the last word. What else would you like to tell us about the your magnum opus here? Swan people to take it all in. Never thought they would be interested in having their books be examined by doctoral students in an academic collection. Hear what that curator has to say. If you don't know anything about the materiality, you've just been kind of the student of the aperture style book that we were raised with, certainly not aperture today, but that classic kind of page after page just take a leap into today's book and and see what's out there. And um, to Darius's point, you can do that all online or you can go to the fabulous photo book fairs that we love, but it's a, it's a really amazing time to be a storyteller and a bookmaker. Mm -hmm. We hope our book will help you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I would just add that I think the, the, um, the availability of resources is so uh, it's so plentiful, and therefore the threshold to get involved and to become educated and familiar. And this is our our book is is meant to be a part of that. And so we we offer it with um, humility and an enthusiasm for the medium, and and we just hope that it is useful to people and gets them excited. And to Swanee's point, you can. You can there we have a lot of resources on the website, which is publishyourphotographybook.com. And you can download the workbook for free. You can visit radiusbooks.org for um for a copy of this. Uh and um and we look forward to to hearing people's comments. And thank you again for having us on. This has been such a great conversation. Awesome. Thank you. I have to say that um, each episode comes with hyperlinked resources, um, which come from our discussion as well as my research when I'm when I'm about to do it. And um, hilariously, um, I have so many pages of notes, but my resources that I will hyperlink to, I'm just trying to go through my notes to see, um, because they are plentiful and I honestly haven't given it a count, but just at overview, at least 20, right? And, and that is only because those are the ones, I mean, I could not put in all the ones, get the book. You will, you will find and find and find like the look, the list that I have here, um, literally are things like, okay, I didn't know about this, or let me go look at that. Um, I even, um, this is how crazy it gets, but um, one of the photographers that you had in the group discussion talked about his book, The, um, the Starlings. Hold on, I just lost the reference. It is um, where he talked about what the impact of the press was on his book. Um, and I went and found the two articles. There was just one in The Observer and one in The Guardian. And there were two paragraphs and 10 images. And that changed the trajectory of his career. So it was really interesting 
that's oh. right. I guess I'm talking about like dropping down into what you give for all the ways that you give us resources. It's interesting. And Swanee, no. this is you. I, I, if I had to quote you, it would be do thy research. It's like listening to, to, to that reference and then going to find out. So what was that article that changed? And then realizing it is literally two paragraphs. And that piece that you're speaking of by Soren Solker. Thank you. He, I love the very last thing he speaks to and references back to before we go into the case studies is that, you know, this formula worked for this book, but it doesn't work for all. And he tried this marketing formula for his next book and it just didn't speak to the world. And so you just, you never know. Um, don't count on things always working the same. And just, I thought that was so wise. I did too. And I was so glad that that was in there because what he did was he talked about this worked and this didn't. Um, and I always bring this up in, in classes. Arno Minkinen has so much on his uh, website and, and um, Swan, you're great at teaching that too. It's like, go look at other people's websites. And so many people are telling you how they see and he literally lists it and he has a list of things. And I think it's number 13. That's about failure and how important it is. So I, uh, I'm right behind you on that. Like there, that what you're talking about Darius in terms of the research that's out there. Well, I no doubt know that you have created something that, as I said, is going to stand in the test of time as like a marker. Um, it's beautiful and beyond useful. Um, it, it's just going to keep going. So congratulations. Thank you. I to see the books that are inspired by our book. Honestly, that's mm -hmm. thrilling. That's cool. true. That's going to happen. <laughs> Already has. It's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So thank you both so much for, for spending time with me. I really appreciate it. And I am happy to amplify all your hard work. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thank you for joining our conversation. For more ways to impact the concept development of your own work, please consider joining one of my online workshops and also joining me virtually at Paris Photo. My work focuses on how you see and why it matters. And my services offer practical and applicable tools to add to your existing creative practice. More information can be found under the services tab on my website, jsibillasmith.com. And if you enjoy our podcast, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate when you share this resource and give us a shout out. Concept Aware is being listened to by the thousands in over 60 countries. Please connect on other social media platforms where you will find me under J. Sibylla. I use all these methods to engage and expand our global visual culture conversation.